0: Welcome back to another episode of Psycho Cinematic. Today, we'll be covering the short film In the Valley of the Moon, written and directed by Luca Pizzolio. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but we'll find out later, because after I give my initial thoughts on the film, he'll be joining me on here to answer some questions and talk about the film as well. And as always, spoilers ahead. Real quick before I start discussing this film, just because the writer and director Luca is coming on here doesn't mean I'm not going to say the good and the bad of the film. Just know that anytime I'm talking about a film on here, I'm giving you my authentic thoughts. With that being said, let's get into it. I took a chance watching this film because it really didn't fit into the typical category for this podcast of horror, psychological thriller. I was really hoping that the thriller aspect of it would give me enough to talk about, and I wasn't sure if it would, especially because it's a short film. Lucky enough for me, I did find the film entertaining, engaging, and overall, I did enjoy it. I always give extra props, too, to any indie film that decides to do a period piece because I can only imagine the extra care and attention to detail that needs to go into the film to nail it. So with this film, I was really intrigued to hear what happened between Mark Green and Tom's dad that ended up earning Mark this scar sometime in his past and how he played a part in getting Tom's dad put in prison. I was. Was a little bummed that they let you infer a lot of that information. I know it is a short film, so it probably is kind of hard to pack in that amount of detail. But I'm just kind of guessing that maybe he was the getaway driver and kind of screwed them over or maybe he snitched on them. I'm not 100% sure which I wish I could be. When it comes to the scar on Mark's neck, he talks about how he took food out of a dog's bowl and he shouldn't have. And that seems like a metaphor for he took money from people he shouldn't have. And I'm not sure if this means that he fled a crime scene, got shot in the neck and ended up stealing money from his partners, or maybe he's already survived one assassination attempt because of something he did to screw over his partners. I felt like if they did spend a little bit more time going into the intricacies of the relationship, it would have made that end gunfight between Tom and Mark that much more visceral. I love that this film built tension perfectly. Like when Tom says he's a freelance photographer and Mark asks, oh, what do you shoot? And he's like, mostly people. Like that's just so great. And then later when Mark is handing the business card over and it looks like he's doing a gun pull out of his vest. Love that. And I love the creative way that Tom ended up fooling Mark to end up getting the kill shot on him. Also, I'm going to confirm this with Luca a little bit later, but let's see if I'm right. I felt like Mark Green's name was symbolic. So what could Mark Green mean? Well, Mark is commonly used for something like a target, and since this is a Hitman movie, he is the mark. And then green. You're green at something when you're new to something. So he's either the new target or maybe it's green because he didn't do real estate before. He clearly led a life of crime and now he's new to real estate. And if this is all imagined, that was a great coincidence. So I didn't mind at all that Sam killed Tom in the end. I was just hoping that there was going to be some ulterior motive in this hitman, mob, dad's in prison story that's going on, rather than you stole my car, bang, fuck you. I think that these things could have been added in this short film, but to keep it under the 30 minute mark like they had it, Something else would probably have to go, but this is why I think that this film could totally benefit from a full-length feature because I think there are plenty of little twists and subtleties in the story that could easily be expanded upon and just make it that much better. And now for the joke more of the story. You can take a lot from a man, his job, his hope, his dignity, but what you don't take if you expect to live is his Mustang because those things drive through crowds of people for fun. All right. So now we have Luca on here. And then Luca, can you please tell me exactly how you pronounce your last name first? (laughs) (laughs) It's pronounced Pizzoleo. So Luca Pizzoleo. Pizzoleo. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I uh, tried Googling it and then um, (laughs) trying to look for pronunciations of it. Couldn't find anything. started scouring like, uh, you know, Behind the scenes stuff with yeah. yours. I'm like, come on, someone say his last name. <laughs> Something, yeah. <laughs> everyone gets it. Everyone
1: usually gets it wrong. It's like Pisolio, you know, yeah. but it's it's okay. It's a, it's a confusing name. I'd be confused too. I'm, my middle name is even crazier. It's Massimiliano. Okay, yeah. I wouldn't have yeah. even
0: tried that one.
1: <laughs> I have no idea how to spell it sometimes. I remember I was at the DMV and I had to call my mom and I was like, how do you write my last name? Like, how do you even spell this out? So it's uh, it gets confusing.
0: All right man, well uh yeah, firstly Dug the film it was uh definitely a good watch um and it's cool that it's free on YouTube because there's like there's no like barrier to entry for anyone to check out some cool art. For sure, for sure. And I feel like right now
1: at the stage that I'm at, especially with just making short films, I feel like I I don't really want to have, like you said, a barrier to entry. I just want people to be able to watch my stuff as easy and as digestible as possible. And I feel like YouTube is a perfect platform
0: to do that. Something I noticed about the film in general too is that it's been out for a few weeks on YouTube and it's already been watched quite a bit. Do you uh, attribute that to anything in particular? Um, Most definitely our TikTok.
1: So I started my TikTok about... I think a few months ago. And I feel like it's been something that people have been recommending me to do for a really long time. And they've told me you've had, you know, I just sort of have a lot of content that I feel like would translate really well on TikTok. And I decided to give it a shot. It did really well. I think I have like 50,000 followers now over the course of like a month. And it's it's really cool having people watch your stuff and then go to your YouTube and then go to the letterbox and they give their own little like theories on your film and whatnot. So most definitely the TikTok and other forms of social media those have all
0: attributed to the the traffic on the YouTube channel for sure. Well, that's really cool that you've been able to experience that kind of growth that quickly, and that you have people loyal enough to then go and check out your other platforms as well. That's awesome. No, for sure. For sure. We're super happy and grateful for that. I feel like that's not something that uh, is super common either. It seems like, especially with TikTok, they seem like they just do TikTok. <laughs> and yeah, so it's cool yeah. that you found the people that will ride for you other places. It's, it's great. And we're really grateful
1: for anyone who has kind of jumped from the TikTok and over to the YouTube or the Instagram.
0: It's it's really, really you know, flattering for sure. Yeah, for sure. So I have a few questions I wrote down just in case I uh, forget them. The first thing that I noticed like when I was watching this is that, you know, like because you only get like a 30 minute window into these characters' lives. And so like when you wrote this film, do you establish beforehand like their backstories? Uh, for sure. For
1: sure. That's something that whenever I write a script and I have characters, you know, with Mark Green and Thomas, I gave the actors a sort of about a page description of their backstory, their upbringing, and then what led them to this moment here. And so I give every actor, I feel like a decent backstory, nothing where it's so specific that they have no room to play, because I do believe the actor should have some form of freedom in coming up with certain things that will help, you know, for their motivation and their character. But I most definitely have everything kind of planned out where, You know, Mark Green did this to Thomas, and and that's why Thomas is here, and this is why Samson acts this way. And so that way in the end it makes sense for the actors, how they're sort of, you know, executing the scene.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I hadn't even considered that part about if you do too much, then the actor might feel like they can't add anything to the role. I've I've heard it from a lot of actors and even with
1: um jessica chastain on interstellar i was watching in an in interview and she was saying how she crosses out the scene direction because she feels like the scene direction can be limiting because she has to sort of you know if it says she puts the book to her right you know maybe she feels like it's so you know i have to okay now i gotta put the book to my right and blah 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 blah. blah. unless it really like like the action needs to happen for the scene i feel like a lot of times actors do want the room to play. Some actors, you know, they do enjoy having more of a controlled environment, if that makes sense. But I feel like a lot of actors do like to have a little bit of freedom in in creating something for them.
0: So when you're writing a script and just this entire story, how do you, um, like, what's that writing process like? Like, where are you getting the ideas? How long does it take you to write this? Where do you choose to write? So
1: in terms of getting ideas, I feel like the majority of my ideas stem from music. So the idea for Valley actually came from Irma Thomas's Breakaway, which is like a, I think like 60s or 70s song. And I was just listening to it in my bedroom and and I kind of got this idea and I was like, man, that would be funny if there was like a mobster realtor. Like I thought that was just hilarious to me. And so I, I sort of kind of wrote out a, a little idea and then that expanded into about a 10 or 12 page script within, I think like four days. And then I sent that over to Roz Fritz and Ryan Emilio Molina, who are Thomas and Mark to get their sort of feedback. And they've been my best friends for, you know, I, oh, upwards of like 10 years now. And so I sent that to them and and some other close uh, family and friends got some feedback and then eventually wrote out the, final draft which took me about a month and a half maybe two months to write out uh
0: and then really shortly after we just started filming so h- how old are you because I think when I was seeing um some things y- you were like surprisingly young I'm I'm 24 so I turned 24, 24 now for
1: yeah so I, I turned 24 in August of last year so I'm, I'm getting up to 25 now
0: yeah that's I mean that's impressive that you're already making stuff that the Is this good? Um, So kudos to you. And so that makes me wonder, like, you know, like, what was your biggest inspiration? Like, how long have you been doing this? I've been doing film really, I mean, my whole life. I think
1: it was it was funny because I was talking to my mom not too long ago, and she was telling me that when I was a kid, she would be recording on the camcorder and I would always just try to take it and film stuff. And so I've always had a love for film. And I always think back on really my earliest memory of, of watching a film. And it was Alfred Hitchcock's birds. I think I was four, which was like crazy young, but my dad would watch TCM and he didn't really care if like I I sat in. And, and so I was watching that and I just kind of fell in love and was completely enamored with how a film was made and it sort of turned into an obsession. And that was just, I watched movies all the time and, I even during quarantine, I, I watched I tried to watch like a movie or two movies a day and I would watch a movie in the morning, maybe a movie at night. And it, it's just like every time you watch a movie, I feel like you learn so much more about filmmaking. And then when you go out and actually kind of tackle it, then that turns into you, you fail a lot. And then eventually you kind of come back and you learn sort of sort of so many new things. So I've, I've really been doing it as long as I can remember. Um and short films have just been I've been putting out short films consistently for at least like the, the last like six ish years. Short films nice. for sure.
0: Yeah. Crazy you're watching something that, you know, is like I guess classic when you're four. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's kind of traumatic a little bit. Like Yeah, <laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um so I saw on uh I think it was on your Instagram when you were doing like a Q and A, you talked about how you shot this film twice. Uh once you and then once you're now DP of this film. Um, Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure, Sure. So this is always a funny
1: story to me because I every film prior to Valley, I was the writer, director, producer, and I also was the DP. And it's sort of something you hear all the time is try not to wear too many hats because the project inevitably suffers from that. And it's true. It's very true. And I look back at a lot of my older works and I see things that the director I am now, I would change within the actors or things I would like to change in the scene. And a lot of that I attribute to the fact that I really just wasn't as focused. I had to focus on the camera and making sure the frame was, was good and the the focus was on. And so Valley was really no different. I actually didn't have any contact with any DPs for the longest time i met a couple people but they sort of wanted you know like a thousand dollars a day which was insane for me as a young filmmaker right and um i had a friend of mine his name is jeremy and jeremy i've known him for i'd say close to about the same time about 10 years we went to middle school together he's a little bit younger than me so jeremy's only 22 and he shot valley when he was 21 so he's obviously very talented wow you know camera operator director of photography so um jeremy actually works on below deck which is a bravo like reality that's hilarious
0: (laughs) i've binged like 15 seasons of that recently i I also like gutter tv
1: (laughs) yeah no jeremy's if you watch below deck that's jeremy on there
0: you know that's awesome
1: man operating one of the cameras and so he was, I believe he was in Malta or something. I I don't remember. He was somewhere, you know, in in Europe. And I kind of asked him like, Hey, man, are you free to help me shoot this movie? And he was like, No, he's like, I'm actually in in Malta right now. And I was like, Okay. So I was like, well, I really want to get this movie done. And I have everything planned. We've done tons of rehearsals, we got the costumes, and the house that we were going to shoot at, which was the house that we got in the film was only available for a certain amount of time. Uh, And I believe that was like October to November ish. And we were just in the middle of October. So I really wanted to get going. And we went on there and we shot the film. We literally shot the entire movie. I mean, like, like the entire movie. And then when I got home and I was like, yeah. And I looked at all the footage, I was like, man, this, this is bad. It's really bad. You know, like I'm not, I'm not, I really, I don't, I'm not a camera operator. I'm not a DP. I think I do have a decent eye, but it, I feel like there are so many shots are out of focus or so many light, like so much of the lighting was off. Just everything looked terrible. And so Jeremy was flying back after his season in below deck. And he, I, I sort of just asked him, I said, can you please help me save this movie? Because I've already put so much into it. And he's like, yeah. And so I got, I booked another two days at the house and I told my actors, I'm like, Hey, we're going back to the house. And they're like, going back to the house for what? And I was like, just some pickups, man, just some pickups. That's all we're <laughs> doing. We get there and then we we start seeing one and they're like, didn't we already shoot this like, you know, two weeks ago? And I was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So we ended up shooting, I mean, the film literally twice. And I actually, I, I'm actually not mad about it because I do feel like in some ways it did make the acting a lot stronger because of the fact that the actors were able to be in costume and be in the location. And it was almost like, kind of like an expensive rehearsal, you know. Right. And uh and, and there there are certain things that did make it into the final cut that I shot. So in the the shootout sequence is all my stuff and like kind of the whole like when he's going in the kitchen, he grabs a cookie, everything from there to almost the ending is my stuff. So I, I did use that. We didn't have time to reshoot that that portion of the film. But yeah. So It's not something I would do again. You know, in the future I've learned I'm not gonna shoot my own movies. I'm gonna get a DP for sure. But uh but yeah, that was that was mainly kind of the the process of shooting a short film twice.
0: So that was the reason I was asking, because I was gonna say, like did you have to re-rent out the location, like get a Mustang again? You get it like I don't know if you were like renting wardrobe, (laughs) if you bought wardrobe, you know. I was like, what does that look like?
1: We we did have to do a lot of that with the wardrobe some of that was purchased so i went to just various vintage shops and thrift stores around la and so so thomas's his whole costume is just from the thrift store and some of it was was rented and even with the ending in particular i rewrote the ending four days before we shot it so there was there was already an original ending in mind And the ending was two people coming into an open house and they see Thomas walking out and they sort of like, holy shit, and they run out and scream because he's covered in blood. Thomas gets in his Mustang and drives away. And that's sort of the end of the movie. And it wasn't something that I really loved I wasn't in love with that ending and so I rewrote it where Samson came back and that was always kind of something that I did have in mind but I didn't know if I we were gonna be able to pull it off because of you know scheduling and and availability with some of the actors but we uh, back on the rental thing we actually had Landon's costume rented and I returned it four days before or or like the night before I rewrote the ending so then I was like Mm. holy shit I just returned the costumes and I just rewrote this. So then I had to go back the next one. I'm like, Hey, listen, I need this back. And I had to go to like four different stores to get all the stuff back. And <laughs> you know, some of it's a little off. Landon's watch is different in the ending mm-hmm. from the beginning. So that was one thing we couldn't get the same watch, but, but yeah, so it was, it was definitely a hassle getting all that stuff re rented for the ending and, and, you know, making sure everyone is available. That's always the struggle of an indie film for sure.
0: Well, that's cool. I'm glad that, that all came together. And when I was uh, thinking about that whole scenario, I was thinking, so when you set out to shoot a horror or not a horror, a short film, obviously hiccups can happen like this, which happened after the fact, but like, were there any major um just things that you did not see or foresee coming, but just happened like, I don't know, like bad weather or like, you know, just stuff like that, that kind of fucks up the whole process. There was quite a few hiccups on this film, I will say. There was
1: a lot of scheduling issues. So we had tons of scheduling issues where we were booked and everyone said they were available. And then it was just like the next day, no one, like multiple people had to pull out. Uh, There was weather issues where, you know, the whole film obviously takes place at the open house within really a couple hours. And so we had to shoot that over really like three days and three days over the course of a month sometimes we had cloudy days sometimes we had really sunny days and so a lot of times we had lighting that wasn't necessarily um similar to the last shoot day uh we also had a lot of issues with the car the car was we actually rented a different mustang i mean (laughs) (laughs) when we first shot the film and it was a yellow mustang and then When we went to go like shoot the the final Mustang scenes, we were gonna re-rent it and the Mustang wasn't available to rent anymore. And the guy's like, Yeah, I just I don't rent it out anymore. Someone like got it and damaged it. So now I'm like not renting it out. And so I was like, Oh my god. And so I had we had to rent a different Mustang, which was the red Mustang, and then shoot all the scenes that we had already had with that in mind. Good Um, lord. I mean, it was really like (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, it was a nightmare to shoot this. Movie. Yeah, that sounds like, awful. Was... <laughs> I was talking with with Roz and Ryan and and even Jeremy about this. I was like, you know, this movie. When I look back on it, I feel like I was just so stressed out and just like a, a nutcase during the whole the whole production of it. And then I look back on Frenchman, which we just shot not that long ago. And and I don't know if you got a chance to see the trailer of that, but but that film was like a cakewalk. I mean, everything that we kind of fumbled with on valley we took that learned and applied it for frenchmen so i'm glad you know we had all those hiccups because it's just something you learn but
0: uh but yeah no it was it was a nightmare really to, at least i mean it really was <laughs> so with all the headaches and then now it's done now it's out you're crushing in the film festivals and people are watching it like what does that feel like now i mean it feels amazing when you when you set out to make a movie i feel like
1: it, To some extent, it is so vulnerable because it's something that you sort of, you know, just kind of put all your blood, sweat and tears into. You wrote this. This is your thing. And even from the actors, especially, you know, you have like Ryan and and Roz, who are really kind of like putting themselves out there. And it's something that I do believe is like a very vulnerable thing. So when you put something out and it has such a positive reception, it definitely feels great. and you sort of feel like all the hard work has has paid off. But at the end of the day, too, even if the reception wasn't necessarily amazing, I feel like I would still be happy because I'm happy with the film. You know, I made the film really, really just for me. And that's who I wrote the film for. So as long as I'm happy with the project, then I feel like that's all that really matters. And obviously, I do think that there are some criticisms that I've heard about the film that are most definitely valid and, and very, I'm very objective when I look at my own work. So it's not like I just look at them like, this is a 10 out of 10. It's a perfect movie. Nothing's wrong with it. I definitely look at my own work and I can see things that can be improved upon. And that's why I do feel like, you know, every time we've done a project, it's just improved on the last one. And, and, you know, not to bring up Frenchman again, but it's, it's a massive improvement on Valley, just on every technical aspect alone, for sure. So it, it, it really is very very nice to see just the amount of positive reception so we're really grateful for all like the shares and we've had like fan art and edits on tiktok nice. it's it's weird but it's like awesome <laughs> you know it's great like i think it's really cool so i we're we're i mean thrilled honestly and even too we've had with the tiktoks because of how well they've done I've been posting TikToks uh, about Frenchmen, and even like ninety percent of the Valley TikToks, people are just commenting, go, oh, when's Frenchman coming out? When's Frenchman coming out?" So there's already people, you know, gearing up and waiting for that film. So we're we're I mean, I, really, there is no words to describe like how how happy we are.
0: Heck yeah! Uh, so what genre is that Frenchman movie? So Frenchman is a
1: dark comedy. Okay. And it basically follows two best friends who accidentally kill their French drug dealer and now they must figure out how to get rid of his body and in the process of doing that they go to their kind of quirky movie crazed acquaintance and they try to enlist him to help them with figuring out how to get rid of bo- uh, the body and so it's it's very much like there's there's tons of homages to other films in there and there's a there's a scene in the trailer where they're you know putting his body in a wood chipper kind of like fargo and Mm so there's tons of like nice little like homages to the film but uh or to film in general so it's very fun it's different to what i've done i've never done a dark comedy and i feel like that's sort of been i think you can see some of that in Valley, like especially with the cookie you know just like very little things where i feel like i was kind of dipping my toes into throwing a little bit of comedic relief in there um but with Frenchman, we just kind of went full force and and we're, we're so like, I mean, we love the project. It's really my favorite film I've made for sure.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like something I definitely want to check out. When does that come out?
1: So we don't have a set release date on the film as of now since we have to go through the whole festival process. So honestly, like if I'm being, you know, realistic here, it's probably going to be about a year until mm. we get a full, you know, open release. Yeah. Valley took about a year you with a lot of these festivals you're not allowed to have them on youtube or even screened in any sort of way and and it makes Mm -hmm. sense obviously because the festivals want to prioritize people coming to the festivals to watch your films um so it's going to be quite a while but we'll definitely you know keep everyone updated
0: on like screenings and locations whenever we get those soon do you have like a a major goal with your career like something that you know once this happens, you're like, I made it. I don't think I'll have a specific thing. It's it's not like, oh, once I get an Oscar or
1: once I get this or once I get that, I, I don't think that's really, I, I don't have a, a sort of set goal for that in mind. It's more of, I just want to make movies. That's really all I want to do. So once I get to the point to where I am making feature films consistently, that will be kind of my happy place. And, and I already am very happy in even just what I'm doing now because really... The I, I have such a love for filmmaking that, that just making these short films is is really great. And obviously, I have higher aspirations to make bigger things, but it's not sort of like, oh, once I make my first feature, I'm good, I'm done, I did it, you know, mission accomplished. But that is most definitely, I would say, my main goal is to be making features and to be making them in a, in a consistent way that that would be my goal for, for my career.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So I did want to ask you, someone on Instagram asked uh, how you went about funding
1: the film. So with Valley and Frenchman in particular, they were both, I mean, incredibly cheap. I mean, honestly, even though Valley sounds insanely expensive, it really was not. I mean, it was below $10,000. And I mean, honestly, like kind of significantly below that. So the film was done on like a micro budget and Frenchman was done on like a quarter of Ali's budget. And with the funding in particular, a lot of it is is just from, from me self-funding the projects. And so in between short films, I work on music videos, commercials, and I also do photography. And so I've had... My photography sold in Home Goods and Home Sense across like the United States and Canada, and so I had a deal with them uh, that started about two years ago, and so they've been selling my photography for, uh, I think about two years now, and that sort of deal has allowed me to fund my films without necessarily having to To worry about where I'm going to get the funding, and and even too, I've had help from from friends and family, and Roz, who's the lead actor in Valley, helped executive produce Valley, so he he paid for certain things, um on on set. So that's mainly how we fund the films.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I I hate the excuse of a bad movie is when they had like if they had a bigger budget, it would have been better. And then like I hear about films like this. And, you know, under $10,000 and you made like something that's 30 minutes, that's super entertaining and you didn't even charge for it. So it's not like you're (laughs) expecting to recoup the money. Like you could, it could just be an investment of time and money and all that. And that, that is what it is. And it's still good. And so it frustrates me when people blame the budget on quality.
1: It's something that frustrates me too. And when you see movies, you know, there there are certain movies that I've seen that are hundred million dollar movies that I just cannot stand and and even the audience has not enjoyed. So money has absolutely nothing to do with quality of the story and the acting. Those sorts of things are are not, you know, one and the same. And And uh, it's something that I've noticed with a lot of indie filmmakers because I've gotten so many questions about, oh, well, I... I want to make a short film, but I don't have an Arri Alexa or a Red Epic or or whatnot. And and that's kind of another thing where you don't need to have the most expensive equipment possible. You don't need to have, you know, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollar budget to make a good movie. And and so that's that's definitely something I, I I totally agree with you on.
0: Yeah. What was this film shot on? This was shot on a Sony A7S three. Okay. That's what I thought from like the behind the scenes stuff. I was like, that looks yeah. like a Sony camera, but it looks, you know, like red or you know, airy quality. So that's cool. it's it's been a
1: very nice compliment and and I, you know that that's really just hats off to Jeremy because Jeremy knows all the little magic, you know, settings on the Sony to just make it so beautiful. And even when you watch Frenchman, it looks like it's shot on a different camera because it looks even higher quality, but it's just the same camera. We really only invested in more time at the locations and more lighting setups. So once you, really any camera, as long as the lighting is decent, you can make any
0: camera look good. Even an iPhone, honestly. Mm -hmm. Before I forget, I needed to ask you about this because I said this in the very beginning of the podcast and I'm so glad that I remembered. Anyway, Mark Green, Yes. Is his name symbolic for anything? So his name is
1: actually not. So I didn't really have like a deeper meaning behind Mark Green. He did have, he did have a name prior, uh, which was his name before he became Mark Green. And that is all I really gave to Ryan. I was like, this was your name before Mark Green. Mark Green is just really uh, a um, kind of, I, I was like, what is the most basic and not to offend anyone whose mark the name is mark green but like what's like the dumbest most basic name i can think of that sounds fake it would be mark green and when i was thinking of it too and i and i did write out mark i was like oh mark like cool that actually kind of sounds like like he's like a mark like he's a target mm-hmm. you know whatnot and so i thought about that
0: after but the initial thought like honestly was was just like oh, that's yeah. a <laughs> You know, (laughs) when I uh, when I said it in the beginning of this podcast, uh, I was like, this could all be conjured basically in my head, you know, and that seems to be often how it is. And I feel like that's the cool thing about movies is you do. Not You don't always know what symbolism and what's not, but yeah, I was like, Mark green. I was like, all right, Mark, like he's the next target. And then green, because I've been watching so much below deck, they constantly use the term green, you know, like when they have like new deck hands on there and whatnot. And so I was like, so he's the new target or the next target. I was like, or because he had, uh, you know, like a criminal background, like he's new to reality. And I was (laughs) like, God, like that, that's so sweet. I was like, but we'll figure it out if it's actually (laughs) anything. That's hilarious. And, you know, that's great, actually. But with (laughs) to that
1: point, exactly. There's a Japanese filmmaker. His name is Sejun Suzuki. I don't know if you've seen, uh, I believe it's Tokyo Drifter. Uh, I believe that's the name of the film. It's this film from the 60s. And It's on the Criterion channel and he actually they did an interview with him and his producer after the film and the the film is insanely stylized. If you watch the film, it reminds you very much of like a Tarantino movie. And so watching the film in the beginning of it it's completely black and white and there's this toy gun on the ground and that's the only thing in color and they sort they sort of show all these interviews of these people going oh like what does it mean you know it, it means this and it means that and i believe he's he's trying to talk about society and blah 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 and then they show the director and he's like well honestly we just had black and white film and i just i I thought that would be cool like that's really all it was so <laughs> it's, it but i actually love that i love hearing like people's you know." thoughts and and ideas of what is symbolism. But there definitely is a lot of symbolism in Valley, I will say. And everything was not just like, oh, you know, that's cool, you know, whatnot. Like even in the beginning of the film, there's a fade transition of Roz or Thomas holding the gun to the mirror. And then it fade transitions over Mark walking in and then pushing in that cabinet. And when he's walking in, it sort of looks like a crosshair right on Mark Mm, as he's walking in. I
0: miss the crosshair part. And I did say beforehand how much I love the... the gun pull of the business card, that was great. Oh, yeah. No, (laughs) yeah. That's
1: another one. You know, I was like, pull it out
0: like a gun, aim it at him like a gun. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. no, definitely. Which also made it onto the movie poster, (laughs) which is Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, it definitely did. What's next? Like, what's the next project beyond the Frenchman movie? Because I'm sure, you know, like you're saying, it's a year out and you got film festivals to do and whatnot.
1: So right now, obviously, our, our focus is is on whatever that next project is and we have a lot of I've sort of written a lot of ideas out and things that I kind of want to tackle but I feel like I'm kind of at that point in my career where I've done so many short films especially so, honestly like these kind of like hybrid short films because they're not necessarily just these 10 12 minute shorts they're much longer format and almost sort of like a tv show episode so I really would like to work on a feature next, that would be my goal. So within the next year to two years, I will have made my first feature, that's my goal. Um, but in in the short term, it, it would just be focusing on making sure that Frenchman is good because honestly, it it kind of is like a full time job dealing with the festivals because you have to get DCPs made and promotional material and this and that and you're working on stuff for the Instagram and the TikTok and all that stuff. I I do on my own and and I create all on my own, so that that kind of is is like a job in itself. So in in the short term, Frenchman, long term would be working on whatever the next project is that will turn into a feature
0: and so this uh this full-length feature that you want to start is that going to be one that you write and direct or are you just trying to direct if anything else comes that way or is it exclusive i'm open really to
1: anything i feel that my strengths lie in directing and i was having a conversation with someone not that long ago where i spoke on that exactly that I've really only and and I do have a love for writing, but honestly, I've really only written out of necessity, because I'm I'm a very firm believer that if the opportunity is not there, you have to make it for yourself. So when it comes to doing these short films, you know, I, I don't know, I didn't go to film school. So I don't know any, you know, writers that I feel like would be great collaborators. And it's difficult to network when you don't You know, have something like film school and so I've really just written out a necessity so when it comes to a feature if it gets to the point to where I do have to write it I'm more than happy to do that but I am most definitely open to scripts and and whatnot and I've been reading a couple features recently just to see where you know that could potentially turn into so i'm I'm not you know sold on it just being something that I've written but I would love to have a hand in the writing for sure that would be my ideal thing is I have tons of ideas so I would love to collaborate with someone if if that would be possible
0: that's sweet i uh definitely look forward to seeing whatever you do when it's a full-length feature too like because that was basically my uh my only complaints with the film tied to if it were longer i think it would happen you know like i just want to know more about the story i want to but you know like when you're limited to a certain amount of time like you can only do so much, most definitely,
1: and that is and even too, when it comes to Valley and other shorts I've made, there has been an idea to turn that into a feature, so Valley, mm-hmm. I have an entire idea of what I would do with the feature, and one of those things for sure would be y a increasing the story of Samson because I feel like that was something that looking back on the film, I wish I did differently and and um. With a lot of people on the ending of the film, I feel like there's some people who didn't like it and there were some people who loved it. And I do like the fact that it's it's somewhat, you know, decisive in a way, where people aren't, you know, sold on one way or the other. I think it's nice that people have something to say. But if I had a feature, I would most definitely increase his backstory. And his character, when I when I wrote it for Landon, I told him, I was like, you know, he, he really is like a hothead and he loves his car. This is like... A family heirloom. It's very precious to you. So for us, it makes so much sense in the end of the film. But I do see how like some people have said that it, it seems like it comes out of left field. Which I don't know if you felt that way, but I, I've I've seen some people.
0: I did say at the end that I wished that he had more of an ulterior motive that either looped into uh, just being a hitman, the mob, or uh, some sort of tie in with the dad, uh, rather than it just being the car. Um, but I tied that into my joke, more of the story that, you know, like you could take a lot of people or you can take a lot from a man, but not his Mustang because (laughs) like those, like, not if you expect to be alive because, uh, those cars run people over in crowds like for fun. (laughs) So it's like, of course the Mustang is the thing that sets them off. And you know, that family heirloom, even if I, uh, knew that, I feel like I would understand it a little bit more in the film, but yeah, I felt like if there was almost like this kind of like double agent thing, or if, you know, like he has his own reason why he doesn't like Thomas out of just something of like that uh, yeah, was something that I would have enjoyed to see. But you know, like I said, like I, I don't mind that it went this way, but I would have liked it the other way. For sure. And, and,
1: you know, even speaking on Thomas and his relationship, I've, Even when I was telling Roz and Landon about the characters, I I kind of told them that you guys do have kind of this contentious relationship where a lot of the times Thomas, you know, I've tried to show that Frank looks at Thomas as almost like a son. And so in some way, Thomas acts like a spoiled brat in certain ways if he doesn't get his way. And so this is something that Samson picks up on and if we had like a full feature, this would be something that I would show in the beginning. It wasn't just like Samson loves Thomas and he takes his car. So I'm going to kill him. It's sort Mm -hmm. of, they do have a contentious relationship that sort of evolves. And then the car is really just the last straw. And he's like, you know what? Like, absolutely not.
0: So but uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear your, your thoughts on that for sure. Well, cool, man. Yeah. Th- thank you for uh, joining me on the podcast and clearing up some of those things, especially the Mark Green thing, including your last name, too. <laughs> no, too, to totally.
1: <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I, I really appreciate you having me on. This was great. I, you know, great host. And, and I love your love your content. So thank you for having
0: me. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, So if you want to leave your socials, uh, you know, or, you know, where people can find the movie. I'll I'll link it down below. Um, but if, you know, plug whatever you want. So you can stay up to
1: date on anything we're doing film wise on my Instagram, which is Luca Pizzaleo. That's L-U-C-A-P-I-Z-Z-O-L-E-O. And my YouTube website, everything is all the same. Just Luca underscore pizza Leo. And you can find
0: me and, and whatever we're working on next. Cool, man. I look forward to seeing more from you in the future. Thank you, man. I appreciate it.